Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wool on us. Facing and taking on all the blatant pay to troll. Looking at the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. It should be fairly obvious by now, I think, that the uh, narrative making the rounds uh, is that technology is suddenly bad uh, after years of it being not just good, but uh, in a position to change the world for the better in so many ways. Uh, I don't shy away from the fact that I'm generally a tech optimist uh, who does believe that innovation uh, does much more good for the world than bad. Uh, But I should also note that I think it's actually something of a good thing that the industry is now being pressed to at least consider the wide range of impacts that it creates, including how it can negatively impact large groups of people. I still think that overall, the forward march of innovation is on the whole incredibly good, and perhaps that colors my thinking. Uh, But I've been somewhat dismayed about many of the attacks on technology over the past few months. I would argue that much of this actually stems from the election of our president, Donald Trump, uh, who... Many people were so shocked uh, by the result of the election that they sort of cast about for something to blame. And technology and the Internet in particular made for uh, something of a convenient scapegoat. And even though that may have initiated uh, with the anti-Trump forces, those aligned uh, with Trump have been plenty willing to blame tech as well, seeing as the tech industry overwhelmingly voted against Trump and has done little to indicate that it has any respect for Donald Trump at all. Uh, However, what troubles me is not just the fact that technology is being criticized in general. That's fine and perfectly normal and people should criticize where it makes sense. But the fact that so much of the criticism actually seems misguided and I worry about what happens when All of the criticism and the discussions are not based around reality or truth. So much of the conversation and criticism really appears to be driven by the narrative rather than by actual evidence or reality. Uh, And so for this podcast, I wanted to focus in on one criticism specifically that I've seen a lot recently and that I find to be somewhat troubling. And that's the idea that free, the fact that large parts of the internet are free, is somehow uh, a part of the problem. I've spent about 20 years explaining why free as a price for information and information services makes some amount of sense Uh, quite frequently is a a really important component to how information should be shared and spread and i've talked about how it can expand the pie overall and create all sorts of new benefits but lately free as a price is very much under attack and i think for all the wrong reasons Uh, tristan harris the former google ethicist recently said that we cannot afford the advertising business model and Uh, Followed it up by saying that the price of free is actually too high. He even claimed that it is literally destroying our society, which to me seems like a bit much. Uh, Jaron Lanier, who has been in and around technology 
for a few decades as well, has basically spent the last 10 years arguing something similar and recently gave a TED Talk where he said that he no longer calls them social networks, but rather calls uh, online services behavior modification empires and argues that free is a part of the problem. In fact, he argues that people should either have to pay a fee to use these services or that in some cases the services should pay the users uh, for their data. And he has uh, come out with his own statement that feels like a bit much to me, which is that he says he does not believe that our species can survive unless we fix the problem of free and open social networks. And finally, on top of all that, there's the sort of old saying uh, that goes around all the time, and I see it all too frequently, and it bothers me for a variety of reasons. And that is that if you're not paying for it, you're the product. Uh, I've written before on TechDirt why this saying should no longer be used uh, because it's, well, meaningless. It's also misleading and really takes people away from a position of understanding uh, rather than towards it. Anyway, I uh, I want to discuss these attacks on the concept of free on the internet and why I think they're wrong. And to have this discussion, I have our usual co-hosts, Dennis Yang and Hirsch Reddy. And we are going into this discussion a little bit blind. I have no idea where either of you stand on these kinds of sayings and statements and the concept of free on the internet. So, uh, guys, uh, let me know <laughs> if you think they're as silly as I do, and then we can discuss why, or if you think there's some validity or some sense to them, I can tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> oh, but, but you haven't made up your mind. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have okay. very, very strong feelings on this one. So I, I feel like, I feel like it's interesting. And I, and I, and I, and I remember seeing John Lanier speak a few years ago, and I definitely thought the first time I saw him that he was a little bit wacky um, <laughs> in terms of his perspectives, but um, sure. I watched his, his new TED Talk that was just you know recent. It was just in, in this last TED and mm -hmm. been kind of thinking about some of the concepts, and I do wonder if, they're, if, if it's not as wacky as I thought it was when I first heard him okay. speak a few years ago, and I think part of it is, is I've been also doing a lot of thinking around um, frankly, kind of spurred on by by some of your your work in terms of scarcity mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of what we are human societies built around, and um, maybe this whole concept of you know free advertising models is actually almost built around that old scarcity mindset. So I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just trying to think around it. It's like it's like <laughs> I think it's not as crazy as maybe. You okay, think so it is. so let's discuss. So why why. What do you think so, about the advertising model? Is... It's not that the model itself is bad. I, I yeah. like the way that I think he kind of put put it together in that um, free services started off, you know, before where where content was free. Now we have things like Netflix and HBO where people are paying for, right? Right. And by having these nice services that are paid for by the subscribers, it becomes like almost like a a more it, it feels like a more honest transaction where the subscribers of the content, the supporters of the content are the consumers of the content, right? Whereas, you know, and this is kind of something I, I think I brought up years maybe prior before, when you have an advertising business model, you have, it's a three-party system, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have the consumers of the content, the producers of the content, and then essentially the sponsors of the content. And um, physics tells us that like a three-body system is, is chaotic and unpredictable. 
Um, whereas a two-body system is is nice and you know you can predict how that moves. And I, and I feel like and I feel like this advertising ecosystem that we've developed, where products are enabled to be given to other you know to consumers for free, introduces this sort of chaotic system. Sure. Um, which and, might and, and, feel like kind of where we've been, we've ended up today. If that, okay, and 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 so I should be clear, right? I mean, I am, I have lots of criticisms of the way advertising is handled on the internet, and I haven't been shy about that either. And I don't think right. that like, um, you know, I, I don't think in any way I'm claiming like advertising is wonderful and great, and all all sorts of good <laughs> things come from that. Right? That's what it sounded like in the beginning. <laughs> but okay, well, so so this is an important clarification, you know, and and I do think and and that you know there are also all are all sorts of problems with the way that advertising has been implemented, and certainly you know on a large scale with internet advertising, mainly from Google and Facebook. Right. Um, you know, I have lots of concerns about the sort of level of transparency. Right. So you would not, so so an advertising ecosystem that provides products for free without transparency would be something that you would not be, not be okay with. Uh, I I have concerns about it. It obviously depends on the specific situation, but my concern is that when, without the transparency, uh, you know, the users don't have enough information in order to determine, you know, if they're really getting value for what they're giving up, um, you know. So, so you know, going back to sort of really core basic principles, the sure. idea should be that you know an economic transaction is one where you are giving up something and you are happy with what you're getting in return, but right. you know the details of what you're giving up and what you're getting. Whereas a but, lot of times in the advertising business model, that is not clear. Right. right. And I think that that's what people don't understand is that, you know, I mean, it goes, the extremes are saying, you know, if you're not paying for the product, you're the product, you know, et cetera. But the, what I think that people don't understand when they're consuming media, when they're consuming content that is ad supported is what exactly have they given up in that transaction? And that's right. attention, right? That's like, um, it's it's not as clear of a transaction as say I pay nine ninety you know nine ninety five sure. a sure. month for to- totally 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 true. Now before I dig into this, I, we should yeah. bring Hirsch into the conversation because you've been silent, Hirsch. Um, yeah, I'm just listening because um, I, I, you know if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm not sure which side of the argument I fall on yet. So I'm trying to okay. I'm, I'm listening to the both of you and. <laughs> Trying to see what, uh, well, what I, I can, think about this. I can so, keep arguing this out if yeah, you want. So, so I mean, I'll, so, I'll argue my. Uh, yeah, you go, Mike. <laughs> so, so here's the thing that 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 I'm thinking. Like one, so if, there are a few different levels of this, but one is the fact that all of this stuff and all of this information is free online, and that people can can access almost anyone else in the world. You know, a huge portion of just general information, not everything, uh, but a huge amount of general information about the world um, for free is kind of incredible and kind of wonderful. And while has some negative consequences and some negative externalities, I think on the whole leads to you know, a better, more connected, more informed world. And that is something that we should celebrate. The fact that it is not costly uh, directly to to those individuals is something that is kind of wonderful because when you make it costly, you then one shrink the pool of information that is out there, shrink the number of people who can connect and communicate, and also kind of t- you tend to limit it to you know those with means and those who are 
you know, in the elite and, and can afford to spend on it as opposed to everyone. But, yeah, but I, I think that when, when the currency is attention as compared to, you know, dollars and cents, sure. the, it tends to tune and optimize that content towards a certain type of content, right? That is tuned for attention. That is not, that is not costly to produce, which, you know, I think like some long form journalism and long form like documentaries are very costly to produce. It's really expensive to go and really figure out the new, the detailed nuances of a subject of subject matter, and I think that's the concern is that it, as we move towards this kind of attention based ad ad supported based um, content economy. I mean, specifically, this is around kind of content, right? So sure, um, it, it pushes out expensive pieces of content. No, I mean that doesn't really hold because see the thing is is just because some free content exists it doesn't mean you can't have premium services that also charge, right? I mean you can get free YouTube or you can also subscribe and get Netflix, right? Like it's it's not one or the other. Right. Um but even in the space of of having like I that's a pretty compelling argument Mike uh which is that to say that if if you if all these things that are given for free were charged for it'd probably be a big part of the planet that couldn't afford it. And um, I think what you said is true, which is that it's kind of amazing that someone in, you know, rural India or sub-Saharan Africa, just with a smartphone can access all this amazing information on Wikipedia or, or YouTube or whatever it is. Right. And that's, that's pretty extraordinary. Um, it's actually even just extraordinary to me that anyone in the world can just, almost any newspaper is available for you to read. When I was yeah. younger and when I was in India, when I was young, um, I had, there was only a couple of papers that I could actually read every day because those were the local ones that I could get a hold of. I, I really liked reading, um, you know, some foreign papers, but you couldn't really get a hold of them because you, you couldn't, it was quite difficult to find someone who had a subscription to one of these foreign papers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I would just, you know, uh, devour the local papers and just look for the international news in them, which was really kind of just a little bit of foreign news. They didn't really, they were mostly interested in covering local topics. So um, right, and, just and being able to get anything was now. It, it now is amazing. Right. Um, and I, I think people don't, uh, when they say, when people like the people you referenced in your opening statements, uh, you know, when they say, you know, can we afford free, well, maybe you can't afford free, but there's a lot of people that very, very gladly w- would like to have the free product, even if it gives up some pr- amount of privacy or something else, right? Because for them, the exchange is just totally worth it. It's really and, and, opening and up the world for them. To, to some extent, I mean, we see that by in just what people do, right? I mean, and, and now there's some argument there that you know maybe people wouldn't wouldn't be so free to 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 jump on these services if they knew how much information was actually being collected and and there may be some legitimacy there but i I haven't like even as that is becoming more and more aware to the world i don't see people like giving you know other than at the extreme margins i don't see people giving up the services that that a facebook and a google provide deleting deleting facebook or stopping yeah i mean you know you have a small number of people who are doing that but but the general population i don't think they're going to because they do find it worth it and they don't find the cost to really be that high i still think that the companies could be a lot i mean they'll complain about how creepy these services are and while they're on those services and use those use facebook to complain right right (laughs) yes well one of the things i think we should we should distinguish is that the costs of of this type of surveillance um, 
is really a, a distributed cost. It's not it's not concentrated on the individual. True. It's kind of a tragedy of the commons kind of a thing, right? Because the real power that's being um, sort of turned over is the fact that, that these companies and governments, et cetera, can harvest huge amounts of data and then do processing on it and um, essentially get a really creepy kind of um, intelligence from it that they can use to produce messages or advertising or or in like really uh, horrible cases, the government can use it to do censorship directly or to censure specific individuals, right? Yeah. But really, from a, a private individual's point of view, when you're giving up the data um, as an individual, the cost to you is actually very low, right? Because you spe- the chance that you specifically will be targeted is low. What what yep. really is the issue is the fact that you and all your neighbors giving up the information together um, gives a a, a, a picture to the surveyor to the surveyor that allows the surveyor to do all these creepy things. But if you did not give what, up what your information, creep- what are these creepy things? Well, just being able to do sort of. Uh, very targeted political advertising, for example, or um, being able to give one manufacturer rather than another an edge in marketing their goods, or all you know any number of these kinds of things that you get from sort of surveilling masses of people and producing statistical pictures of them, right? Um, being able to sort of target, uh, be, you know, these nudges and behavior modifications more efficiently, right? Especially when you see it in the political arena, it becomes quite nefarious, right? Because in the political arena, it's exactly these kinds of nudges that can actually win elections, right? And that's the accusation here, right, about the 2016 election is that mm-hmm. there were some nudges applied um, that were sort of, uh, you know, computational nudges, like pushed people pushed at the margins uh, to vote a particular way by just targeting them very specifically. Now, imagine you're, you're, you're someone who was targeted by one of these Russian hackers to receive a particular Facebook ad. Mm-hmm. From The cost to you is actually nothing, right? It's really the cost to the community as a whole, to the American electorate, that you were nudged in a per- particular di- direction. But if you were asked the question, should, you know, in exchange for getting Facebook and Google and all these free services, you know, would you be willing to give up your, um, you know, your uh, so much of your attention and so much of your information so that Russian hackers can harvest it and target political advertising? You might just be like, sure, what do I care? Right. You know, the, the, the cost isn't really to you as an individual the same way as it would be as if you were if you were asked to pay for all those services, what would it cost every year? Would it cost a few hundred dollars? Right. Mm-hmm. You, you might make the very rational decision uh, or maybe it's an irrational decision, but you might make the decision that says that I'd rather save that 250 or 300 or thousand dollars, whatever it would cost to buy all of these services. You can't really buy it, by the way. There is no right paid for. But assuming in that alternative world, the, there really was an, a paid for option, people would be like, well, do I want to pay the 1500 for all these paid options or do I want to just make America a little bit less stable by giving up all my info? And some people would just selfishly say, sure. And, and, and okay, and we can, we can term that decision selfish for an American who does that because uh-huh. presumably they have some economic means to buy the paid for services. But if somebody's in like South India or something like that, right, or Sub-Saharan Africa or something like that, and doesn't have the access to $1,500 and they decide to give up their data, you'd be like, all right, like this is a kid, he's like 12 years old, all he wants to do is learn programming and he wants, he needs to be able to use Google to search and he, he wants Wikipedia, blah, blah, blah. You know, are we really going to say that he was a dick for saying, okay, surveil me? You know, for him, it would be worth it, right? Um, 
the opportunity cost is just too high to say, no, you know, I don't want to use this. Instead, what I'll do is I'll just like, you know, get offline. Mm-hmm. essentially right like it's not worth it maybe maybe in fact his internet connection is one of those like zuckerberg provided in free hotspots right or google <laughs> and then it's like either get online or don't and if you get online you're going to get surveilled i'm not saying by the way i actually i don't think that for example that the hotspots that google provides at railway stations in india mm-hmm. i don't think they do any kind of surveillance i think you just get on the internet and they're just doing it um you know charitably uh, I think you go to a Google search page and you can search and then you're no more or less surveilled than anybody else who uses Google search. But mm-hmm. I don't think they, you know, do any snooping on what you're doing uh, in terms of when you use the Internet. Uh, but you could imagine a world in which you really were making that choice. You could connect to this like gigabit free network and get surveilled all to hell or you could just like not get on the Internet. Right. Isn't that kind of the choice actually in China? Like, I mean, it's it's not just a choice of sort of like what you're calling surveillance, right? It's it's also you're paying with attention and being exposed to marketing and advertising, and that's not just like data collection on its raw. Right. So the, the I'm I'm less sympathetic to these arguments about like oh we, you know well you're giving up your attention that doesn't really seem problematic to me um, because people for instance you know it, it's really the manipulation that's the issue and if it's a very good manipulation, so advertising to is you, not manipulation. No, I'm saying it, that it's the manipulation part right. of he, he's the advertising making, that's he's the making, right. There's a distinction right. between that and I just see. you watching something, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah. because it's true, like, your attention is, you yeah. know, is a, it's, it's there. You're going to give it to something. It's a question of what. And right. then the, the, the question is, you know, you could give it up to, to Facebook or Google or whoever, but the question is, you know, then what is happening with that attention? What is being done to you? The kind of derivative marketplace for your attention. Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, to some extent, right, this gets into, you know, and, and we've discussed this before, I, I, yeah. the other saying that I get annoyed at is the idea that people say that, like, Google and Facebook are selling your data, which is inaccurate, right? I mean, they are selling access to your attention, um, which some people say makes no difference in the world, but actually makes a huge difference because mm-hmm. it's it's an entirely different set of like you know what do you do about it what is important here uh, you know how do you how do you deal with the questions related to it uh, when it's when it's you know selling access to your attention versus selling your data um, and and so it it bothers me when people you know make that you know, don't, don't make that false distinction. So or or make that false distinction. So I think it is important to, to be accurate. And I think Hirsch has a point where, you know, the real concern or the concern about the societal level of stuff and like Lanier's concern and Harris's concern all do tend to get back to this question of, you know, the manipulation aspect of it. Right. Um, And so I think that is important. And that is something that, that, you know, and, and, you know, if you look at, you know, Facebook specifically, you know, based on what's been reported in, in Wired and elsewhere, you know, they spent years focusing on like increasing engagement and mm-hmm. increasing connectivity mm-hmm. in the sort of almost religious belief that the more engagement and the more connectivity overall, the more good things happen in the world. And that is, in you know, an, an argument that that might still have some merit, but certainly there is a sudden awareness that, you know, in addition to some of the good things that can come of that, there are some negative consequences as well. And that's what everyone's trying to sort out now. And I think that's an important discussion, but that's different than just saying free, having a free social network is bad because of some of those negative consequences. 
Right. No, no, I, I mean, I agree. It also, I feel like uh, Lanier and what the other Harris guy, Tristan Harris, have kind of a low opinion of the consumers, of, of people on the internet, yes. maybe. Right, that they don't trust them to not be manipulated or influenced by these, yeah, these and and that's yeah. you know, and, and there's you know there is one element which I think is important to discuss, which sort of touches on what you're saying, Des. I'm not sure if it gets it exactly, but but it's the fact that like to some extent, right? I mean, human nature is is part of the issue here, right. and and I have a little <laughs> bit of a problem with blaming Facebook or Google for human nature, right? Yes. For 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 you know bringing out human nature the way it is. Um, well, let's, you know, let's use let's use a lo- let's use the, if I were them, I would use a loaded word, right? Like exploiting. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah, and um, it, and they would say that you know Facebook and these mechanisms exploit parts of human nature, right? So right, and um, then but then you know you could go beyond that, which is then because Facebook and Google, as you say, can could exploit human nature, that enables third parties such as Cambridge Analytica, right. Russian trolls, or you know, whoever else, or evil corporation to do to right. exploit to, that human nature. It, to it's a platform also exploit which, and, yeah. and and you know, as Hirsch said, to manipulate right. human nature, and and that's where a lot of the concern comes in. But I don't necessarily see why that ties back to the fact that it's free, other than the fact that because it's free, there are more people there. Right. The freeness isn't part of. Well, the freeness gives it the power and the scale, maybe, and they feel like that's where. But um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, so, I'm not sure that that's what their concern is, right? I mean, so are, I think, are Tristan I, Harris and, and John Lanier, is there a solution to legislate that free things are not allowed? I don't think they. They probably. I, I'd be really. How, I haven't how, read yeah. their articles. I have no idea what they've said, but I'd be really. I'd be really surprised if they've actually given some sort of solution, right? It's mostly in these types of things you raise the issues, the problems, but there's not necessarily a solution, right? Um, other than to say, hey, people, you should pay attention to this and maybe buy some of the stuff. Yeah, right? I right. mean, because legislation clearly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the, I don't know if either of them are asking for legislation. I mean, Lanier. Yeah, has I mean, Lanier's talk said, concluded with like, if they won't charge, just will you delete your accounts? Like, okay, right. <laughs> Um, right. He 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 wants the the services to be run differently, and he basically wants people to demand it. I don't know if he wants legislation to make that true, and, uh, right. and I'm not sure that Harris wants legislation either. I think he wants a different kind of solution. Also, they're um, they're, they're hoping that awareness would lead to to people stopping using free services, which. I don't know. And, I feel like. Well, you know, <laughs> and, and I think that they want not just that, but the companies themselves to rethink about how they do business. Look, like this, this, this. Um, this complaint about free services um, is nothing new. Like Microsoft blew the whistle on this in probably 2004 or five. Um, they were like, why is everyone using Gmail? Don't you know they're surveilling what you're doing and presenting your advertisements based on the content of your email and we don't do that with Outlook and yeah. this is why you should blah, 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 right? Uh, and they were, they, you know, Microsoft was rightly terrified for a while. I mean, now yeah. uh, Office has made sort of a comeback, and they have an online version, which is and, and to it be should be noted. But... It should be noted that Jaron Lanier works for Microsoft. But anyways, oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, there you go. But you know, you know, you know, people have been sort of make consciously making this choice with eyes open, knowing that their email is being surveilled. Yeah. Um, and you know, I say sometimes I say sensitive things in my email, and I use Gmail, or or I should say I use Google Apps. Right, right. Um, which is basically Gmail, 
Um, and and then, it should just just for point of clarification here too, it should be noted that Gmail no longer does that. They no longer scan your emails. They used to, but they oh, no really? longer scan your emails for ads. Really? Yeah. Yep. I, I get some pretty suspicious advertisements. Maybe it's because I do searches that are related to it, what's it, in my email. That that could be, but they do not. Yeah. They don't. Huh. They used okay. to, and for many years they did. But I forget when. Maybe mm. a year or two ago they stopped scanning that, your email. That's too bad. I, I kind of like the ad. <laughs> no, there's still ads, Dennis. It's just maybe not as well targeted. Right. Um, so you know th that's a that's a good question. Like you know, if 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 my attention is going to be put on an advertisement, you know, I want you to really know me. <laughs> what? Right. You like, know? you're going to waste my time showing me an advertisement. Show me something relevant. Yeah. <laughs> it really really annoys me when uh, I buy something on Amazon and the ad for the thing that I just bought follows <laughs> me around the internet. Like yeah. just. Guys, like, just ask the credit card company. I'll give them authorization. Just ask them what <laughs> I bought. Ask, I just don't want to see They know this. that you bought it. So then Why would you sell? try to sell me the same camera I just bought? Like, I just bought it. Like, yeah. Why? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. And, and so there's there there are different elements there. And I, I've sort of referred to this as, as like, the, the, uh, um, the uncanny valley of advertising, right? Where it's, like... You know, where, where they're trying to target advertisements towards you, and if they have some amount of information about you, the advertisements kind of come off as creepy because they they're not well enough targeted to be useful, but they're well enough targeted to be like you guys are spying on me, and that makes me uncomfortable. Right. Whereas if they had you know enough information that they could actually make relevant targeted advertisements, then like I wonder if people would actually mind so much because that suddenly the ads would actually be useful like there would be actual value that now there are some people who would declare immediately like no way like i would hate that but i'm not sure i believe that <laughs> i think there are cases yeah, where i mean i, I think most creepy people... creepy imply something is creepy if someone knows something that you essentially it, it, it was like a one-way relationship right so yeah. if i had never met you before and you knew you're like hey how was your vacation last week that's creepy because i didn't kind of <laughs> participate in that transaction and you kind of looked at my instagram and saw you know where i was last week that that's right. why you don't drop you know accidentally where people were <laughs> when you when you stalk them prior to a meeting right that's creepy but what's what's not creepy is like when i go to the corner store the sandwich shop and you know the person behind the counter remembers me and repeat and just says you know the usual that's awesomely not creepy because right. it's like a, a fully transparent, like, you know, interaction and, and kind of a relationship that I've developed. And I think that that's where advertising bridges, like it kind of crosses that creepy line where I don't know that I'm giving, you know, this little ad box all this information. And so when something is targeted almost to something what I want, it feels creepy because I didn't realize I was doing that. Yeah, and that but that gets back to the point that we made earlier, which is that the real problem here is sort of the lack of transparency and control by the end user. And you know, and and to be clear, like I think I know what sort of Facebook and Google's response is. I don't know if I fully agree with them, but they would just say, you know, they they do give users the right. ability to to find out much of that information. And but the fact is, it's a lot of it is so complex and so so much that right. no realistic user is going to go through it all. Um, but I, I, I still feel like there's got to be a better overall solution somehow. 
And I mean, maybe some users like myself would like to go through and correct them. Like, nope, yes. that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's the same thing as like, you know, like the, the credit agencies, right? Right. And the information that they have on you, which has always been sort of semi-creepy and often wrong. And, you know, it's sometimes difficult to get, one, access to find out what they actually have on you, and two, to correct it if it is wrong. Um, you know, the Facebook and Googles of the world, to some extent, are those on you know, uh, times 10 or whatever multiple you think is appropriate. Um, but, uh, you know, again, though, like none of that, none of the issue with any of those is the fact that these services are free other than the fact that maybe because people are using them so much, they're, they're giving up so much data. But again, I think like that's a different issue than the fact that they're free. I, I mean, I'm wondering if like some of the argument and I'm, I'm assuming that some of the argument is that if end users paid directly for these services, then they would have less reason to sort of suck up the data and you wouldn't have those concerns and you wouldn't have the the engagement issues, though I think you probably still would and you but you wouldn't necessarily have the manipulation element, though, again, maybe. Um, I, I don't know. And so like I, I look at this and, and going back to the whole like if if you're not paying for it, you're the product um, like, you know, one of the points I've made in, in talking about that is you look at services that you do pay for things like, you know, your Internet connection, your cell phone connection or your TV service or whatever. And those are some of the most hated services in the world. Right. Right. Those are services that you pay for and they treat the customer horribly. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Whereas like, to be honest, like you look at the ratings and even as like, you know, people are hating on tech, like Google and Facebook are still some of the most respected companies and products out there. Um, and so like, I, I, I don't think there's this idea that suddenly like if you're paying for the service, suddenly that makes you, you know, more, uh, you know, that they're going to treat you any better. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I suppose the, you know, like the, the big examples that people keep pointing to are HBO and Netflix because everyone is like, uh -huh. great, you know, like people pay for pay for these things and look at the amazing content that's being put out there. Um, okay. And I'm, I'm not sure what are the... How, like, does, how does that apply to my, to, to my example? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, those, you know, those are interesting services, those are specifically in one particular right. area, which is sort of, you know, entertainment Ent video entertainment. content. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how broadly that applies to other <laughs> kinds of services. Um, and certainly there are concerns about like, you know, what content those systems have, you know, Netflix obviously has, has really shifted from originally being, you know, rent any movie right. to now being very much about like, That's here's a very good luck to finding know, the movie that you actually want to watch, but right. watch our content. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, there's some, some levels of, of frustration there. Um, but I'm not sure that like, I mean, you know, if if we had a world where every service on the internet that you used involved the Netflix model, that is completely unsustainable, right? right? I mean, even in the video content world, if you want everything, you need a Netflix and HBO and Amazon, a Hulu, and you know, right? And all of these know. subscriptions is getting a bit tiresome. I, re right. I recently cut the cord, and it's it's getting kind of annoying having to decide whether or not to pay for each 
one of these atomic services. So Right. Yeah. And then add to that if you had to also pay for your Google and your Facebook and your Twitter and your Instagram and your WhatsApp and, and every other service out there. And, yeah. you know, very quickly you're going to say, I am, you know. Even if I'm, it was like a very smooth micropayment thing. Sure. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it gets back to like Clay Shirky made this point like, yeah. you know, 15 years ago where it's like adding any sort of microtransaction also involves a huge mental transaction as well where you have to decide is this worth it right and and but but i feel like that microtransaction is happening kind of at least when i use google and facebook that's happening in the back of my mind where i'm like all right you know like they're getting paid for this this impression and me clicking on this ad but it's fine and that that (laughs) that little tiny transaction is a cost right um so you know when when i'm using these these free products but it's a lot less like weighty than i'm like oh that was like a hundredth of a cent right there Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not nearly as much cost, both from a monetary standpoint and a mental one. You hmm. don't even think about it. If the microtransaction yeah. is small enough, you don't even think about it. Well, is, is it, well, is that what you're saying, Dennis? That, yeah, that's that, what I'm saying. The, the advertising one is so much smaller than mm-hmm. whatever monetary, since it doesn't add up to a monetary one. Like I, I think I think probably five cents is probably the level at which people start actually thinking about a transaction. Below five cents, I think. think or maybe maybe the, maybe the threshold is different for people. But yeah, I, I was going to say I, that, what? that like a, 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 a penny is probably something that most ninety nine percent of Americans wouldn't think twice. So about. Hirsch, you get one penny per character that you post on Facebook. <laughs> Good. One penny per character. Well, it depends on what the transaction, <laughs> or how frequent it is, right? But like, if it was like a, a, for a reading or something like that, that's a good point, though. It's like for how much, how often would a transaction occur, right? If right. It's, if right. it's every second, then a penny would suck, right? Um, <laughs> although, you know what? When I think about it, um, it's a few pennies per minute to call certain places that I call that are abroad, and I don't really think about that. I think I start thinking about how much, how many pennies. I'm spending on a phone call when it gets to about 30 pennies. When it's like about 30 cents a minute, then I start thinking about it. Man, I better talk quickly. Yeah. I'm, I'm burning cash here. I mean, I think it depends on on a bunch of different factors. And, and um, I mean, know. whatever happened with like Flatter? Like, remember that thing where? Yeah, they got bought by um, uh, one of the ad block companies. Oh, really? Because I thought yeah. that was a neat model where you just kind of yeah. like pay a flat fee for kind of microtransaction, but yeah. you didn't, you knew it was capped at a certain amount. Yeah. So it kind of freed yourself from that mental transaction. Yeah. No, I thought that that was actually super clever that the, the, um, right. You know, and, and for people who don't remember how that worked, basically you set a monthly fee that you were going to pay to so all you put the, like a 20, you put $20 into your flatter account and then every site that was in the flatter network, it, it would, kind of chip away at that or no they would get divided right yeah so you would click on so you would have like flatter buttons on different sites and we had it on tech dirt and you could click on it and basically yeah. at the end of the month if you had put say twenty dollars a month towards all the sites they would count up all your clicks if you did 20 clicks each of those sites would get a dollar if you did 100 clicks each of those sites would get 20 right. cents or whatever um and so i mean know, i'd be willing so you know i'm i'm constantly barraged by new york times and washington post wanting me to subscribe and i really feel like i should but i feel you like you haven't subscribed to i know i know but like if i were just to do it the flatter way which is i'll, I'll just put 20 20 into this bucket and how many new york times and in washington post and you know 
Atlantic or whatever, you know, pick however many sites want to participate in this network and you guys did divvy it up at the end of the month. Like, I would do yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, I think, to be honest, like Medium is sort of experimenting with something similar. Like they have their whole claps thing. And so you can subscribe to Medium premium content for like five bucks a month. And the the uh, content providers or, you know, writers get a certain amount of payment based on how many claps they receive. Um, and so it's, it is in many ways similar to Flatter. Um, but that's, you know, just specific to Medium. Right. And wait, I can, so I, you can do the same thing where I can dump in 10 bucks a month into medium or something. And... Well, it's it, in that case, it's a set price. I think it's a $5. I'm, I'm not positive on this, but I'm pretty sure mediums, you know, one subscription option is a $5 a month thing. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then, you know, and, and I don't know the exact setup because medium obviously takes some of the money and I don't think they're that transparent necessarily about what gets people paid and how much they get paid. So, um, so if I started a flatter for Facebook and it would, I would put ten bucks into this Facebook thing and it would divvy it up up amongst my friends for the content that they generated. Would would Linear be happy with this? I have no idea. I mean, I don't think I don't know. That's if not what he meant. <laughs> I don't know if he's concerned about individuals from you know content from individuals. So. He he wants the sites themselves. I see. So Facebook get, would get a cut of that, or Facebook would take that money. He, he wants me to pay $20 a month for Facebook itself. Well, see, but he the thing is what's funny is he's argued both ways, right? He's argued that people should pay, but then also right. I think he's argued that people should pay to to avoid having the site suck up their data. Or if the, you're having the site suck up the data, the, the site should pay you. So his argument is that Facebook owes you money because they're making money off of you. Or at um, least they should give me an inventory of where my data has been used or something like that, right? That's kind of what he's saying. Uh, I don't know if he's even saying that. I mean, he's saying that the, the site should pay the users if they're right. if they're getting. I mean, that's data. such a silly observation because, like, <laughs> think about it. How much are they going to? How much do they actually make per user per year? Right. Right. It's and what does it come out to? Like every day. Like, does it come out to like another three or four bucks a day? Like, I'm not going to use. Like, think about what they would do. You don't want that three or four dollars, Hirsch? No, three or four dollars a day for having a shittier product would not be worth it. Like they would basically say, "Okay, now we have that much less money. We're going to make a shittier product now." And now, now I either have the choice of like the free version where they keep all the money, or some shitty social network where they pay me three or four dollars if I actually use it. No one, first right. of all, nobody's, nobody's on it. that network, even though yeah, they pay exactly. you. So. I mean, there is the other the other option, which which Dennis, you and I spoke about in the like competing with Google podcast that we we, yeah. we had a few, uh, not too long ago um, in which I said, you know, <laughs> and I, I, I'm again embarrassed to bring it up, but like this idea of like blockchain as a, you know, <laughs> Oh God, <laughs> everything with a freaking blockchain. Uh, okay. We have not yet had, we've been talking about a blockchain crypto podcast for years now. I know we, we've, we've never have, done actually, it, actually it, never it, done one. Here, no, let me just summarize it. We don't have to have the uh, blockchain podcast. It's just, Whatever idea, stupid idea you have, just add the word blockchain and just pretend like that solves all the problems. Right. I'm, and I'm not saying that. So, so hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. So the idea was that here, though, like you could use some sort of, you know, cryptocurrency kind of thing or token concept in which the users get that. And, and then the value of the tokens go up as the value of the network goes up so rather yeah, but, than I, I know i know there are problems with this i am no, it's not, not even saying, about problems mike it's like why not just use regular dollars for that transaction like, because, what does the blockchain of, actually give you because that's yeah so, so in that case what the difference is is 
is that the value goes up. At, you know, basically, as the value of the network goes up, the value of the tokens that you hold goes up. That's the difference between that and currency. Now, there are ways to make it effectively equivalent. So you may be right, but you know, there are there are some differences between doing it as a token setup, and and uh, and you know, straight up currency setup. But uh, I, I don't need to go down this. this <laughs> no, we, we really shouldn't. We'll just it'll go off on it. We'll, we'll have a blockchain podcast without you, Hirsch. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, I want to see Hershey yell about these things. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, uh, we should we should wrap up here. But you know, I, I still come out of this. I think that like there are interesting issues here, and there are interesting challenges. Yeah. I think focusing on the fact that like the social networks or Google or whatever are free is doesn't take us anywhere that interesting on its own. I think it it sort of you know gets people pointed in the wrong direction. They focus on the price of the service rather than the sort of transparency and control of, of user data and sort of the overall impact of things. And I think it takes us to the, the wrong place. So do you I mean, think, think people should go and delete Facebook? No. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's that's a solution either. I think that's a silly protest kind of thing. I mean, people are free to do it. And, you know, you protest however you want to protest. And maybe if enough people do it, then something interesting happens. But, uh, you know, I think the the more interesting thing is that you know, to put more pressure on the companies to, right? you know, to be more transparent, much like more transparent, transparent yeah. and to give the end users more control. And, you know, I still believe like, you know, the, the, the better solution is to actually allow the users to basically hold their own data. And, you know, you could find third parties to hold yeah, the and, data for users. And maybe have an auction and participate be like, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, basically, you know, give, give, the, you know, so it's not the, the Googles and Facebooks of the world that are holding this data, but right. the end users have the control and can basically say, I don't want Google to have access to this data anymore. Therefore, I can block it. Or I could selectively let them, they can have access yeah. to this bit of data or this profile. I, I love me. that. I mean, I've, I've spent an entire like technological lifetime cultivating such a nice online data footprint for myself <laughs> that I feel like my, my footprint would be quite... Uh, valuable on the open market we'll see yeah but but you know but so far we haven't really gotten to those kinds of things. i mean certainly people are trying and so so you know i would prefer to move to that kind of world and honestly given how much you know shit that that google and facebook have been getting i almost wonder if they would be open to that kind of thing too um, yes, though, i should go pitch them with this new data marketplace <laughs> idea sure but but the thing is the reality is that you know i think the people who sort of hate on Facebook and Google would freak out about that as well because they would argue like, oh, now you want, you know, users to expose their data or something. You know, there would be some sort of. But it will be on the blockchain. <laughs> Let's not go there. Uh, you know, but but I, I think that that's 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 the better world that we should be moving towards. But yeah. I don't I don't I, I worry what, again, like when you focus on the whole like price aspect that doesn't move us towards that world. You know, I, I think it moves us away from that world. And in fact, it moves us towards a world in which Facebook and Google are expected to control more of our data um, and just, you know, protect it better as if like, you know, our solution to the problem of them right. having too much data is to say, like, well, you know, be more powerful. Yeah. And I think previous podcasts have kind of discussed that fear is that sure. all of this, you know, the sentiment and resounding fear around them is pushing them to kind of close off even more, which is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's that's where I come down on this. You guys have any other final thoughts? Mm -mm. 
No. <laughs> All right. I am, cool. on, I am on a Facebook break, though, so maybe there was some psychological effect. <laughs> oh, you're on a Facebook break. No wonder. Yeah, my All feet, of a sudden, my feet I, I noticed. Really clean. I've noticed on Facebook that I've been seeing you know posts from from other people people who i haven't seen posts from in years and i bet you it's because you're not posting hers because normally my feed is just all hers posts hers posts a lot <laughs> oh that explains it very interesting very interesting. yeah they'll see me back in like october or something like that <laughs> by then everybody will have deleted facebook mm-hmm. and we'll have moved yeah, on to we'll, we'll move on to our special blockchain uh bring Dia- is diaspora still around i have no idea yeah. <laughs> all right Anyways, guys, we got to shut this one down. <laughs> Good times. All right. Uh, th- thanks for, for joining us, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye, guys.